Music by Maxwell Bodenheim, read for LibriVox.org by Jason in Canada. Olga Crawford fiercely divorced herself from all expression as she maltreated her violin at the Symphony Moving Picture Theatre. In its average moments of vivacity, her face was a dissembling friar who brightly listened to her sensual lips, but as she played, her face became an emptiness profaned by the wail of her instrument. Her arms desecrated their errands, and her head sloped into an unwilling counterfeit of wakefulness. On the screen above her, men and women frantically guarded their hallucination of life, and a decrepit plot vaguely imitated love and bravery. Rows of faces stolidly massacred the gloom of the theatre, and stood like a regiment waiting, without thought, for some command. But when one looked closer three expressions broke from the solidity, as three major harmonies might charm the mind of a composer. The first was a somnolent elation, the mane of a hungry person dozing over some crumbs he is almost too tired to eat. Shop-girls with pertly robbed faces became victims of this expression, although an occasional man with lips like determined fiascos also attained it. The second was a tightly laced impatience, the enmity of one whose feelings have been openly censored. Fat women with flabbily throttled faces and glistening men with bodies like bulky scandals received this expression. The third was a seraphic stupor, the demeanor of one whose formless delights have benignly exiled thought. To Olga these people gathered into a blanched duplicate of life a remote comedy that made the monotone of her evening self-conscious. If they had excoriated her, she could have forgotten them, but their weighty indifference raped her attention. The dryly sinuous smell of their clothes pelted her like a sandstorm. The little, desperate perfumes they used scarcely survived. Their eyes were scores of tinnily inviting bull's-eyes never reached by her hurried arrows. She finished her playing. The people shuffled out like an apologetic delusion. Farrens, the pianist, a cowed toreador of a man, gave his browns and blacks a ponderous recreation. "'Another grind passed,' he said in a thick voice corrupted by pity. "'Hand over them sheets, Joe.' Joe, fat as a gorman's reverie, handed him the sheets. The features on Joe's face were as abject as crumbs on a shallow plate. The symphony theatre orchestra flaunted its yawning moroseness a little while longer, and filed through a low exit. Olga's feet tamely saluted the crowded street pavements. To her, the crowd was an approach to the theatre audience, a brisk indifference that made her eyes neglected spendthrifts. Its motion alone gave it a flickering mastery. If it had paused, for an hour, it would have become inane. The choked tirade of rolling streetcars and automobiles would have ended in a dismal curtain of silence. The chariots would have changed to mere hardware puzzled by the moonlight. A tall woman, encouraging the gorgeous tumult of her dresses, would have stood like a cluttered farce. The little pagan symmetries of her face, gaudily tantalizing when merely glimpsed, would have met in a kittenish argument. A tall man, blondly governing his polished discrepancies, would have changed to a stagnant buffoon. An old man, 
chiding his corpulent effulgence with endearments of motion, would have altered to a maudlin exaggeration. Olga reached her room and summoned the meaningless stare of an electric light. Upon her short body plumpness and slenderness bargained with each other, and the result was a suave arbitration. Her dark green skirt and white waist made a subdued affirmation. Their colored lines did not emphasize the lurking essences of her body. Surrounded by black disturbances, the hair of sardonic parts of her face were molested by sentimental inconsistencies. Her nose was a salient inquisition, but her full mouth had a negroid flash. Her chin was coldly bellicose, but her cheeks were softly turned. Beneath her moderate brow her blue and white eyes were related to glaciers. She sat at an upright piano and trifled with the keys, almost inaudibly. It was midnight, and an acrimonious man in the next room often remonstrated with the wall when her piano conversed too impulsively. Since she was an unknown composer, the moment is appropriate for an attack upon her obscurity. Her music was the compact Sunday of her life. There she deserted the trite miserliness of narrative and definite concepts and designed a spacious holiday. Her notes loafed and romped into inquisitive patterns and were only intent upon shifting their positions. Thought and emotion presided over the experimental revels of their servants, but issued no narrow commands and became broadly festive guidances. In her music the rules of harmony were neither neglected nor worshipped. When they felt an immense friendliness for the romping of her notes, they made a natural background. Otherwise, they did not intrude. Her music did not strive to suggest or interpret concepts and pictures, nor did it salam to emotions. All three were seconds rising and dying as her sounds changed their places. The first few notes of each composition were repeated above as the title, not because they dominated the piece, but merely as a means of identification. In her wanly nondescript room which she did not own, from midnight to dawn, this woman whose face was a bewilderment of contrasts sat furnishing the momentum for a reveling deluge of music. But an evening decided to interrupt this performance. Olga stood in the shop of a neighborhood cobbler. He was afraid apologia, with a scant distraction of gray hair and a dustily crushed face. When you play violin in theater, I have heard, he said, maybe you would like to hear my boy. He is only eleven, but he play almost so good as you. Maybe you will tell him how he can play better. Olga followed him to the rear of his shop, with a surface purchase of pity. He trotted out his son, a comedy in light browns relieved by the smothered fixity of gray eyes. With whining precision the boy twisted his way through Mazinet's elegy, defending each sliding note with his arms and his head. The syrupy embrace of a world stirred upon his acceptant face. The whites of his eyes hovered against Olga's face like a writhing request. In the midst of his playing she turned and fled, terror-stricken, down the street. End of Story this recording is in the public domain.